Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Mid Carters Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, C. Blue. I am the champ, C. Wilk. And I am the challenger, T. Boat. Yo. And we are here today to bring you yet another exciting episode. Lots going on in the world of wrestling, and we cannot wait to get into all of it today. Starting, though, with our little internet headline of the week. Caleb, what is the internet headline of this week? The internet headline this week is coming from PW Clips on Twitter. It is, what year do you see Dominic winning a world championship? Who likes to go first? Um, I'll, I'll throw it out there. You know, I, I, I could see it not taking as long as some people may think. Uh-huh. You know what, though? I'm going to say 2025. I'm going to say mm-hmm. two years from now. Okay. I'm kind of... I'm kind of on that same vein. I, I think that depending on how this judgment thing, excuse me, this judgment day thing goes, like I see Dame, I don't see Damien failing. So I think he will get a run with it. And I don't see Dom going against Damien. So I'll, I'll say like late to 2024, 2025. Okay. I think he'll definitely get that world heavyweight championship for sure. Um, I was going to say 2025 as well, but to change it up, uh, more 2024. I think maybe next year we could see him. I don't want to say money in the bank cash in because Damien just won, so I don't know if they go back to back with Judgment Day people, but who mm. knows? Um, actually, I'm gonna go 2024. I think maybe he wins it next year. I, I can see him winning money in the bank whether he's with Judgment Day or not. He's, he's built up enough. Okay. I, yeah. I just hope that whenever he does win it, he's still as hot as he is right now. Like he's yeah. still he still got this much heat because then it'll be it'll be an incredible run. But oh yeah. And so I think we all kind of like you were a little bit earlier. I'm in the middle, and Kobe's a little bit later. We're all in the same little vein of like 2024, 20, 2025. Oh yeah, and I can't wait to see it personally. Never thought yeah. I was. If you had asked me a year ago if I would have said that, I would have <laughs> never said it. But here we are. I love Dirty Dom. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, if there's no more thoughts on Dirty Dom Mysterio, uh, that was our internet headline of the week. Now. As we transition here into current events, kind of wrestling news, we are going to kind of go through the SmackDown card like we normally do. But before that, I do want to toss out a couple things. Speaking of Dirty Dom Mysterio, uh, this week, this Tuesday on NXT, he actually beat Wes Lee and won the North American title. Dom has some gold. What do you guys think about this? It's about time. I've been wanting him to get a championship. I didn't know how it was going to come, but man is literally the champion of all of North America. Raymond Zero <laughs> could do that. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yep. Oh, man. Um, I just want to first give a shout-out to Wesley, one of the best NXT North American champions. Um, great run, but this was definitely the right booking decision. The Heat, the fans, if you didn't see any clips, were they were in disarray. They hated that Dom won it, but that's what you want. You want an actual reaction. Um, I just hope that Judge Nick can keep collecting this goal. And that title looks great on him, I got to say. That title is one of the best titles in wrestling, in my opinion. Like, the look of the belt. And it looks great on him. Literally, I was just about to say that. I love that title. I'm hoping that because he wanted, maybe we can get, like, on the WWE shop, like, a replica version. Because, depending on the price, I wouldn't mind paying for that. Because that's a very nice title. Yeah, it is. It is. And, And I'm happy to see it make its way, you know, 
to the main roster a little bit too. I think it's a good thing for NXT overall too. Like they've been using Carmelo Hayes on the main roster, you know, it's just good to kind of weave them together and, and get the main roster audience familiar with these things as well. So I, I don't know if y'all noticed, but Dom Loki main evented every wrestling show in WWE this week. <laughs> I saw somebody say that on Twitter, which is oh, pretty sure. wild. He made oh. it raw. Yeah, he had main raw with a tag tag title match. Main event in NXT with that match. Main event in SmackDown, oh, which we'll talk about later. Also, there's three title matches. Three main event title matches. It's crazy. Like wrestling wise, I mean, hey, Dom, Dom hey man. Main event, Dom. <laughs> He's having a great year. This is breakout year for sure. I didn't watch Raw, so that that's cool. I mean, I guess he didn't win, but like that's cool though. Yeah. Man, you know, you gotta you gotta love a brand split, you know? You really do. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna yeah. leave it alone. <laughs> yeah. Uh uh yeah, well, congrats to Dominic for the North American title. Hope he has a great historic reign. Uh yes. next up, we had a little bit of uh kind of shocking news out of the blue on collision last night. So it was following the trio's championship match between the House of Black and the acclaimed and, and Billy Gunn. And House of Black retained and Billy Gunn took off his boots and set him in the ring, and it seems like he may be retiring. What do we think if this is the end of Billy Gunn as a wrestler? Well, I'll say I mean, I've never uh, been – he's above Forrest Gar. He's a little bit sooner than my you know generation, but I did see him when he came back to WWE for a little bit. He's a beast, man. Like, like just his size. He, I think he's like 60 or something. Like, literally, dude is – a machine so i'm sure he would like to be able to work out regimen is but i'm sure he'd like to be able to kind of you know take the boots off and relax a little bit and he can still do his like thing that he does normally he just won't be fighting which and and wrestling retirements they so he might you know put the boots back on at some point i don't know at this point but you know you know, never say never but great career great career for sure I think uh, I think if this is it, then I think it's okay. He's had a 20, 30 year career. I think he's been wrestling since the nineties. It's like twenty twenty three. So, but this is it. I mean, he's had a long legend, a legendary career for himself, a Hall of Famer, I do believe. So, and hey, man, he is fifty nine years old. I looked it up. He he's real yeah. old to yeah. look as good as he does. Um, I will say, you know, of course he was before our time uh, on this earth when he got started, but. Um, this run in AEW, like he's gotten over like yeah. nobody's business. Like it's really impressive to see somebody at this age that's not named Sting be able to have that kind of success <laughs> um, this late in his career. And and, and hats off to him. It, it, I do wish maybe he would have had a like a different kind of retirement match, maybe against like his sons or something like that, instead of just like a random like trios match on Collision. But that's him. That ain't me. And and if it is the end of Billy Gunn and Shout out for a great career. Um, while we're on like the AEW stuff, just want to shout out three wrestlers I'm living right now. Well, three things: MJF and Adam Cole. Every week, content gold. That the match, the dance off, the aftermath of the FTR. I just wish they were wrestling on August 5th instead of uh, July 29th. That's my only complaint. Mm. Ricky Starks, probably my favorite AEW wrestler. I like what he's doing right now in Collision. This little saucy heel turn he got going. I like it. And uh, Christian Cage, you know, some hero. <laughs> never, he's just, I mean, he's just great. So those are my three favorite things in AEW right now. How dare you walk around here with somebody <laughs> else's title? <laughs> I, 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 I got to say, 
about the MJF and Adam Cole, that was the next thing I wanted to bring up too. Um, really, it, it's quite incredible the way that they've done it. And I think that AEW themselves should take notes on the way that they have booked Adam Cole and MJF and implement this kind of booking everywhere else on the card. Because the thing about AEW is almost in every case, they just like overdo everything. They do too much crazy spots. They do too much blood. They do... To, they, they've done so much and they've raised the bar so many times that nothing that they do is ever shocking or ever gets like a real genuine like pop from the audience. But MJF and Adam Cole have kind of like flipped the script on that to where they have gotten a double clothesline, gets the craziest <laughs> pop all night on a card with blood and super kicks and flips and crazy stuff. A double clothesline gets the biggest pop. Um, uh, MJF did a suicide dive and they built it up oh like a big God. thing that he was going to do it. And he got a crazy pop. I mean, the way that they, they, they've made these, these wrestling moves, they've made these moments feel special again, which is something that AEW lacks. So it's really quite, it, it's really special what they're doing in my opinion. I, I think what it is, is you got to, you got to, it's the small details. That's what MJF and Adam Club middle is. It's not the big things. They're not going over the top. Actually. They're, they're focusing on the small, basic fundamentals. And that's what works. That's what works in wrestling. And that's what AW. I mean, it's great that you can flip. Great that you can, you know, make each other bleed, bloods and guts, all this stuff. And our, you have that too. But man, storytelling is all about these small, relatable details. The bond they've created in like a month and a half from going to full-on enemies to best of bros to maybe even future tag team champions is crazy. But that's what you have to do. This is storytelling. And this is what WWE has been doing for years. What AEW has to continue to do if they want to ever catch up. Let me ask yeah, you guys this. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Taji. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I, I pretty much been uh, at least all I can see on AEW, like on YouTube, about like MJF and um, and and uh, CM Punk recently. And when I first heard about it, I was like, "How is this possible?" Because last time I saw MJF, they were like crazy. Um, but it has really been like they've been taking their time and growing with, and and it hasn't compromised MJF as a character is not going against to you guys' point. I feel like that's a big thing. Like whenever somebody turns face or heel, they kind of abandon their character sometimes, especially a face turn. Um, and Adam Cole hasn't abandoned anything. They're being themselves. It's just like a different tone of themselves. And so if this leads to a, a permanent face for MJF, or if he does what I think he does and just goes back to what he normally does and stabs people in the back. Regardless, like you said, it's been a great story. Um, also, I love Willow. Like, Willow has been kind of grinding. Um, love Willow. That's, I just want to say that. Yeah. Um, shout out to them. Shout out to them, man. I, I can't wait to see where it goes. I don't know how long they're going to keep it going before they split or before one of them turns on the other. When it does happen, even if it happens tomorrow, they've already built it up enough to where it's going to be a big moment. But if they keep drawing it out, it's going to be crazy. But um, with that said, let's go ahead and get into SmackDown so we're not talking for two hours here. Um, <laughs> SmackDown, solid show overall. They kicked it off with Austin Theory's United States title invitational part two <laughs> fatal four-way match. Okay. Um, this featured Cameron Grimes, Rey Mysterio, um, L.A. Knight, and I can't remember who the other person Sheamus. was. Sheamus. Oh, Sheamus. Yeah. Um, and what's crazy is all these men yeah. make their entrance 
LA Knight enters last, and he comes out with a hot <laughs> mic yet again. Yeah. The only person that gets to speak words and talks about how he's coming for the title. And then the match goes on, and he loses. <laughs> yeah. And Rey Mysterio wins it. Um, And, and, and the way that it kind of went down was uh, Rey was about to win. He had Cameron Grimes down for the pin. Austin Theory pulls Rey out of the ring and attacks him. Santos Escobar comes and helps and, and beats Theory out of the building, basically. And then uh, the match goes on for a little bit longer, and Rey Mysterio does end up coming out victorious, which is wild to me, guys. <laughs> that uh, I mean, obviously, the way that they're booking it is they're setting it up now. It's, it's going to be Santos, it seems like, as they're like involving them in storyline already. But why tease us so much? You didn't have to let LA Knight win it. But why try to make it so obvious that he was going to if he wasn't? What do you guys think about this match right here? It's such a WWE thing to do to, like, have something. And that's why even when I said it last week where it's like they have to do something with them, in the back of my mind, it's what they always do. They have something hot, something that's on fire. I don't think they usually go about the way they're doing it now where they tease it as much. But it's so WWE to have something so hot that's like money and then not do something with it. Um, I was also kind of confused why um, Austin targeted Ray. I don't know if I missed something or anything, but if I was Austin, I probably would have targeted Sheamus. I feel like he would have been the bigger threat. You know, I don't I don't know why he went after Ray um, out of all the people. Um but it kind of goes with the story they're telling later on, which I think I'll, I have my thoughts about that later. But, yeah, just kind of confusing. I, I just don't – I don't get it. Yeah. I, I'll say for me, I think if I'm correct, Grayson Waller got pinned last week. And yes. uh, Ellen and I got pinned this week, two of my faves who I kind of um, – I think it was Cameron Grimes. Oh, it's Cameron Grimes. My fault. I thought Ellen and I got pinned. My fault. But – um. The last oh, thing I've, I've been trying to, huh? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I've been trying to accept it, you know, because I really want him to win. I really want him on a SummerSlam card. I really want him to beat Austin Theory. But at this point, I'm just gonna try to be patient and wait. Maybe, maybe that we just I gotta just trust him, you know. I, they, they've upset me before and it worked out. I'm gonna just try to trust him on this. The Ray Santos match should be interesting. I think it'd be a good mentor mentee team match. Um, but I'm gonna just try to trust him. Of course, I want Illinois to win it soon. I want him to have his moment, but boom, and they play with my heart strings. <laughs> you want to know something crazy uh, outside of the LA night? Just when we're going on this Santos Escobar Austin theory, seems like we're on the path for them to face for the title. We all thought it was going to be at SummerSlam. Two things one, seems like it's going to be on an episode of SmackDown. And secondly, yeah. after this match was over, Austin Theory demanded a non-title match with Escobar on yeah. SmackDown that they did the other night. And now it seems like they're going to have they had the non-title match on this SmackDown, which we'll talk about later, and they're going to have a title match on SmackDown in a couple weeks. Like, why have that match? I don't even understand why they had that match if, if Escobar is going to go on to win it, which maybe means Ray is, but just bizarre to me. I, I did like the fire that Theory had, though. I feel like we haven't seen much from Theory. I feel like he hasn't talked, or he hasn't talked about really anything of note. But to see some fire is good, but yeah. 
I didn't know it was, I thought it was going to be at SummerSlam. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't even know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested. That's all I can say. I, I kind of like you said, Kabai. I kind of think Ray may win now, but I also think Theory's going to win. I don't think Ray or Santos is going to throw him on a SmackDown. But I think I Santos that, could, but I don't think Ray could, to be honest. I just really wish Ellen Knight was on SummerSlam. Like, why can't Ellen Knight make it to a Why can't Ellen Knight get a, a, a important win? Ellen Knight doesn't have an important win this year mm. at all. Dang, you're he lost right. at Royal Rumble. He lost at Money in the Bank. He's won some SmackDown matches, but nothing that. I mean, he won a Money in the Bank qualifier, but you know what I'm saying? He didn't win a Money in the Bank match. Like, he has no he important won. wins. Like, give this. Give this dude a PPV man. Like he sh- I wish, I get it. Him and Logan Paul and Ricochet should be interesting if they do that match. I wish it was Logan Paul and LA Knight. That to me would be a little more interesting. LA Knight would get on the car. He would hopefully win. Like I just wanted it to to win in life, you know. <laughs> to me, to me, I just don't understand too because you know, you got the second biggest pay review of the year. You should have all of your hottest stars, and you have the feud sitting right in front of you that you're literally teasing Austin Theory versus LA Knight. And instead, we go with the LWO versus Austin Theory, and I'm so sorry, but it's 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 a it's a nothing feud right now. I mean, yeah. it's just hitting the basic the basic check the boxes of any other whatever feud that's not going to stick with anybody and not really going to mean anything. And right in front of you, you have the guy that everybody wants to see, and it's just it, it's bizarre. But you know, they they're going to do them. I don't want to live too much longer on it because we. Oh. Well, yeah, we we on this. I do have a theory of why they may have done it. Like I said, um, that involves somebody else that I, I think could lead. Maybe it could justify why. But I do think LA Knight will be on SummerSlam. I don't know how, but I think they'll squeeze him in, even if he's doing a promo. But I think they'd be dumb not to put him on. I hope so. They would be dumb. They can be dumb. Um, with that said, let's <laughs> move forward. Um, uh, okay, so we had a mention here of uh, and this is going to come back up later. They show Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams in the audience. Just just think about that for later. Uh, and then we had Charlotte Flair versus EO Sky with Bailey on commentary. Okay. Um, the match was really, really good in my opinion. There were, there were some great spots between Charlotte and EO. You really don't expect less. But um, what's super interesting is Bailey, like I said, was on commentary. And, and uh, midway through the match, Shotzi has this like scary vignette come on the screen. Um, she basically spooks Bailey and Bailey leaves. Uh, and then later on, they uh, go backstage and Bailey finds like a picture of herself with some scissors going through the heart. So Shotzi's like taking that scary angle and coming back for Bailey, which is, is really cool that Shotzi's in a feud like that. But anyway, um, this match right here uh, was a great back and forth. Like I said, Charlotte did win by hitting the natural selection. Uh, and then Oscar comes out, attacks Charlotte, and puts her in the arm bar. And then Oscar stands tall at the end of the segment. What did you guys think of this match? Of the Bailey Shotzi of it all? What do you think? Well, I love. Uh, oh, I love the Bailey Shotzi angle. I'm loving that Shotzi's getting uh, an angle. I really like that. She doesn't usually get this much when it comes to fuse and stuff. Um. And I like that Oscar finally was standing tall at the end of something and not just being like a third wheel. And like I said, I didn't watch the match, but I heard him do it. So. Yeah. Um, I actually have a note, EO versus Charlotte, do I need to watch the match? And then after I – because I, I knew Charlotte was going to win. 
And I just don't like Charlotte, so I didn't watch it. I didn't see the Shotzi thing, so I need to go back and watch that, which makes sense later on. Um, and I do like that Asuka is being seen as, you know, like, dominant. You didn't have Bianca come and, like, metal things. Just Asuka looking dominant. But I, I, I'm I'm needing her, Asuka. I need you to untuck that shirt. That I think that's the thing. That's why she looks like a grandma, because the shirt is tucked. <laughs> I need you to un- untuck that shirt, man. I don't know how it stayed tucked, because she was doing a lot. That must be an extra large, like a double X, if it stayed tucked. I need her to untuck that. That's why she's not aggressive. Oh, my God. <laughs> the, the women's division on SmackDown right now, generally speaking, is on fire. I think I said this last week, but the entire the the world championship feud is great with all the moving parts. And now we have uh, Shotzi and Bailey too. Several storylines kind of happening all at once and all kind of together. It's just every time there's a women's segment on SmackDown, it, it, it's good, and I'm interested, which is impressive. Um, all right. Uh, with that said, after that match, we have a backstage interview with Dom Dom and Rhea. Uh, sure. Dom basically says he wants to show his deadbeat dad what a real champ is, and even if Ray wins the U.S. title, he's the champion of all of North America. And then, <laughs> enter Butch. Butch comes in and challenges Dom for the title tonight. And Dom's like, well, there's nobody from NXT here to make it official. And in walks Shawn Michaels, who makes the match official. What did you guys uh, uh, think about this? I, I, I guess um, we can talk about it more when the match comes around. But what do you guys think of, of the segment, if anything? Well, Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I think it's. I think I don't mention it, but they were in Florida, and I think they were at the NXT like place or something like that. Like a lot of NXT stars were there, so I think it's kind of cool they played off that and had you know him defend the title there and Sean be there and stuff. And uh, I noticed that Sean almost called Butch Pete Dunn. Just give him his name back, please. I'm tired of calling him Butch. Give him the name Pete Dunn back, please, please. Well, yeah. I speaking of Butch. Um, this actually surprised me. I don't know if y'all noticed, but I didn't know Butch had a voice. Um, like Butch always is screaming and everything, and he was talking like proper. I was like, whoa, who is this? I think that's Pete Dunn. <laughs> that's not, not Butch. I don't know who this guy is. He was, <laughs> it really shocked me. It, and I think I have a note later on, and I was still flabbergasted that he spoke actual sentences. And then he got the HBO cameo. I mean, the HBK cameo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which is really cool. It's cool to see Sean. And I don't watch NXT, so it's cool to see him, you know, on WWE again. Like that. That's it. Yep. Yep. Sean's the dude. Uh, the match will come <laughs> up later on. Um, so next up here, some dimension. Obviously, last week, Bobby Lashley met with the Street Profits. And this week, he meets backstage with Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. So the stable seems to be forming it might cross brands at this point um between nxt and the main roster so what do we think about this i'm all in yep i'm all in i love it i love every bit of it just give me the name give get, ah, uh, uh, I'm, I'm i'm hyped i'm hyped <laughs> I, yeah I, I, I think um because he has another segment later on, which I'll probably comment on more. But what I didn't comment on the, the last segment, um, I, I think the reason why Dom may, or 
I think Ray might win because I think we might get Ray and Dom again at some point. So I think that's why Ray won, and I think Ray is actually going to win that title or or something. But I think we'll get Ray and Dom because of that match. Um, but yeah, that was cool. That was really cool. With it. speaking of the segment, the Bobby thing, another one too that I'll talk about. But uh, yeah. Um... All right, uh, next up, we did have Dom and Butch for the North American title. Um, within about 30 seconds into the match, Butch breaks Dom's fingers. I don't know how people are able to wrestle with broken fingers, but that's not a question for me. Uh, what happens in this match that's interesting, though, um, is pretty deadly comes out, and you had Elton Prince in, in a wheelchair, even though it, it's his shoulder that is hurt. He was in a wheelchair. He was really hamming it up, playing it up. Um, and then... Basically, what happens is the Brown Brutes come out to confront them. And then Kit Wilson starts to leave Elton Prince behind. And then Butch chases Prince out of the wheelchair and to the back. So that was kind of funny. That was a funny moment. Um, anyway, uh, the match ends in a weird way. Rhea takes Butch out by the leg. And then Dom pins him. I don't know how her hitting him in the leg, like, forced the pin. But uh, either way, Dominic won the match that way. So with that said, any thoughts on this match? Um, only thoughts. I think I saw somebody say that they they pretty deadly called the wheelchair princess Prince William, and I just found that hilarious. Um, I, I thought the match was um, I thought it was really funny. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was the only match this week that I watched full out just because I, I really like Dom and like seeing him do his thing. Um, like the re interference, like pretty deadly. Uh, and I really liked where, um, I think, I don't know the other guy, but Kit leaves the other guy, Elton. Kit leaves yeah. Elton. Um, and you think he's about to get, like, destroyed, but he just runs away. That was hilarious. That really actually made me laugh. Um, and, and, and this, this is just a, a, a podcast thing, but, um, there, there were some other things before this. Did you plan on covering um, that before the rules engagement? What are you referring oh. to? Go ahead and cover it. Oh, oh. oh okay, okay. So um, there was there was a little segment with Roman, um, you know, Roman's cabinet back there. Uh, oh, yeah. Roman, yeah, yeah. And um, were you, did you plan on going that? Nope, you can't. Okay, yes. So um, Roman... It's a very short scene, but uh, Roman, he looks insecure. He's holding the Ula Fala, which is the lay that he carries around. Um, and he's staring at it, but also Solo Sokoa staring at it. And he's looking at it like he wants to get it. Um, also, we saw the Bailey, the Hex thing, which I have a feeling that it could be. I have a feeling that maybe Bailey is also behind some of this. Like maybe she's manipulating a little bit more in my head. Um, and you see another, I think Bob, you see Bobby Lashley again with some other people. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. It was just a few, uh, things that I had down. Um, but yeah, a lot, pretty, pretty interesting backstage. So I like all that is pretty interesting as well. Yeah. Plant seeds every time they can. Um, yeah. With, with that said, it, it does lead us into the rules of engagement, uh, segment here as always the most information to cover, but I'm going to do it as quickly and efficiently as I can starting right now. Um, so they all come out to the ring, Jay Roman solo, Paul Heyman. Roman asks if Jay still wants to do this thing. If he really wants to go, Jay says he wants to do it. And Roman is making him do it. 
because he put Jimmy in the hospital and now he's going to get him. Roman keeps referring to him as little Jay, which is pretty cool. Um, just kind of talking down to him, belittle him a little bit. Um, talk about how he's just a soldier, a pawn in the game. Jay rips up the contract and says they don't need it and that the contract is in the blood and that this is tribal combat. Now they, he says that the, it was the elders idea. Basically, um, from my understanding, it's no disqualification. Obviously, anything goes, but also no member of the family, no blood member of the family can interfere in the match. So it's just straight up them two, um, uh, which is interesting, uh, in my opinion. Roman says it's done. Let's go. He, they'll, they'll do it right now. Roman then takes off the lay and puts it on the belt with the title, kind of to me implying that maybe – they're both on the line, like because it is tribal combat now. Super interesting. Uh, they shake hands and have a little stare down, which I kind of got chills when they did. Solo goes to attack, and then Roman stops him, which again, you know, because now it's tribal combat, he can't interfere. Uh, he stops him, and then Jay lays Solo out with a super kick. Roman leaves the ring, and that's the segment. What do you guys think of the rules of engagement? You can go ahead, Tiger. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Um, one, I miss Samantha Urban. I really like the way she calls, you know, his entrance and everything. But um, let me see. I do have a lot of notes. So, yeah, I, I definitely think, and they've been saying that anyway, but I think um, the championship as well as the, the tape, the title of head of the table, the Ulafala, is on the line. Um for a tribal combat, I'm not too familiar with it, obviously, but it reminds me of being in Black Panther where they're where um, oh my God. T'Challa and Killmonger they fight um, for the right to be the Black Panther, um, and I, I think that is what they are kind of alluding to something along those lines. Where it's just those two. I didn't know that they said the elders. I thought they said the office, but the elders are aware. So yeah, I, I definitely think the actual the Ulafala, the representation, is basically like a crown. It's the symbol of the head of the table. I think that is on the line. Now, I would say that is more important right now than the championship, which that's kind of how they've been building it anyway. Um, I do think, though, that we are going to get some interference, even though it, it, they're not supposed to. I do think we're going to get some interference. Um, I think Solo is definitely going to he's, – he's doing something at SummerSlam. And I really hate that he interrupted the moment because the moment was cool, but that also showed you kind of the respect they both have. But this is some next level thing, stuff. But love's going to come and, and mess something up. And I think it's a strong possibility that Jay might rent, that Jay might win. I don't think it's going to be oh like a squash like I thought it was going to be. I think it's actually going to be very competitive. So it's anyone's game right now. And if it happens, that's a beautiful story. You're down there. Yeah. My fault. Um, I just want to say that I do think that Solo is hungry, and I love to see that he's like, even if he's hungry for it himself, you know, kind of on the sidelines, but he's like that hungry young cub just waiting for his chance, you know. Um, I think Solo could get involved, but I really hope this is like, I think Roma's going to win, but I think it should be a clean. But, like, I think he should just, like, have to just beat him clean. You know what I'm saying? Like, out, of, out of honor and respect for the whole – I know most of his matches are interfered and all that kind of stuff, but 
this just has that different feeling. And when you said something about the Black Panther movie, I got chills thinking about that that fight between Killmonger and uh crap. I can't T'Challa. I got, I got, yeah, T'Challa. I got chills thinking about that fight. And man, if, if we're getting something like that, I mean, it just continues to be cinema every time they're on TV screen. That's what I want, actually. Like, a no interference battle for the head of the table to shout like, all of it like that. That's what you want, man. That's yeah, want. I, I think that's what it has to be. I, I don't think, I don't think it would be anywhere near as satisfying if there is interference. Just let them, let them duke it out, let them beat the crap out of each other, and then. And then who knows what happens at the end. I, I do think Rome is going to win, but they can have that moment at the end where they just went to war and they're still family. There's just a lot of emotions that can play into it. And I think if you just have a clean match from start to finish, no interference, those emotions will tell the story. And I, and I really cannot wait to see it. One of the most anticipated matches for me in a long time. And I'll clarify. I don't think Solo's interference is going to be on behalf of Roman. I think Solo's just going to do it thing it's going to be I because I think Roman regardless of how Roman usually does I think Roman does want to he's going to honor if anything Roman is about the family so it's not family by disrespecting the tribal rules of combat I think if anything Solo is going to go in business for himself and do it so yeah I I, I definitely don't I, w- I wouldn't want Roman to like do that anyway I think that would cheat everything it's a possibility that we might get Solo to mess something up. Or we might see Jimmy. I don't think Jimmy will interfere, but we might see Jimmy. I forgot, I forgot about Jimmy for a minute. He got <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, me. But, uh, oh. I, wait. Any, uh, any closing thoughts on this segment or SmackDown as a whole? Yes. Uh, I've, I've got to say this. The silent intensity, I talked about it a little bit, but I – I would take that over a pull-apart bra any day. Like, oh my gosh, that was so that was so much more intense than I feel like anything that they they probably as intense as like when they were like killing Jay Uso before or killing Jimmy before Jay Uso got involved. But man, that it, it's different. I mean, we've said it before, so it's kind of redundant. But this is a different level. It's on a different level. You'll never get something like this in probably the next 30 years. This is like once in a lifetime for sure. Once in a generation for sure. Yep. It's special stuff and, and cannot wait to see where they continue to go with it. Uh, well, with that said, that concludes our wrap-up of SmackDown and our current events and wrestling news. So we're going to transition now into our top five. You just made the list of the week. And this week, we decided to tackle the top five wrestling factions for us of all time. Top five favorite factions of all time. So, um, who wants to kick it off with their number five faction? Uh, I can go. I can um, oh, you can go right, right. My number five, right? Um, my number five right now is the Judgment Day. I feel like the Judgment Day, have they, they run raw, um, but they've been so popular right now. Uh, one of my favorites they have a lot of championship gold now. Um, and yeah, they're just killing stuff on a daily basis. And all of them are better than they were before they even started. Um, and they're all top guys. Like, literally, all of them are top guys now. So, it doesn't get any better than that. They're running stuff. They deserve it. They're my number five. Yes. Uh, my number five is actually going to be The Shield. Um, it was a little... Trying to choose between them and somebody else is a little difficult. 
But I end up going with the shield, man. The influence, the impact, the, the way they came in and just the, the way they ran things when they were there. So yeah, the shield for me, number five. Um, for me, uh, I'm gonna go with Bullet Club. Now, obviously, we haven't oh. seen that much Bullet Club. Like, I haven't seen all the Bullet Club stuff across all the promotions. But to me, everything I have seen, first off, is cool. But secondly, it's just one of the few factions, like the only one I can think of that spans across all these promotions and has this deep lore behind it and just really feels like a big deal. Like, it's just something cool about Bullet Club. Like, just the way that they've built it up is a way that it's kind of unheard of. And, and that's why I put them on the list. I believe I forgot that. I forgot. Oh, okay. I'll go to number four. Uh, number four uh, has to be the authority. Um, if you guys don't remember, the authority was a huge group um, in WWE uh, back around like 2013, 15, that era. Uh, they dominated like literally AAA, Stephanie McMahon, Seth Rollins. They pretty much dominated all of television and they were the big antagonists. They built Seth Rollins right after his turn. Had a great Seth Rollins versus Dean Ambrose uh, rivalry. We got the best RKO at that WrestleMania. We got the heist of the century at that WrestleMania. But we also got the rise of Daniel Bryan, who arguably was the biggest star. Uh, the biggest star in the 2020, excuse me, the 20s for sure. Arguably the biggest star and kind of led to um, a whole another like renaissance in a sense, like one of the best um, feel good moment, moments of all time. And none of that happens without the authorities. Oh, and Sting. They got Sting to debut. So that that's cool, too. So a lot of big things happened because of the authority. So that's my number four. Um, my number four is actually going to be the New Day. I wasn't, oh. like, all the way in at the beginning, but I definitely tapped in that way and kind of got a little caught up. But every, every time I saw them from the heel heat to the face, to the face of Pop, they're just great, man. They're, they're one of the most entertaining groups I've ever seen. So, yeah, I love the New Day. And I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's great that you say that because my number four is the New Day. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, just one of the most successful, like, modern factions and, and um, really bring a different vibe, different energy to the show. They're so much fun um, for the same reasons you listed, though. The New Day is my number four. You know what's funny? My number three is the New Day. <laughs> um, no, like, uh, same thing you guys said. The New Day set so many precedents. One of what tag team championships. They pretty much revitalized the tag team division during their time. And a lot of tag teams now um, that are coming up kind of benefited from that. Also, I feel like it changed the way the WWE uh, sees uh, talent who are making stories, but also when they see black wrestlers and um, the significance of that uh, representation in the company. Before the New Day, they were probably the... You probably had Mark Henry, and that was pretty much it. Um, but during the New Day and afterwards, that led to two of your WWE um, champions uh, being black. You got Bianca Belair, Bobby Lashley, uh, NXT champions who were, um, who were black, Um and all seen as dominant and uh, definitive. And, and I feel like that all stems from seeing um, how popular and how successful the New Day were for carrying all of that and their popularity and skill on their back and kind of setting new ground for like WWE and the way it is now. Um, 
And factions, too, because they were the first faction in a while that got really over. So I think uh, just for their significance, uh, the New Day has to be number three. For me, number three is going to be the only group I think that's still really active right now for me, and it's uh, the Bloodline. Uh, whichever way you want to say that the first three, the the five with Sammy, or the you know however you want to, whatever version of it. I love all of the versions. The number three fashion move all the time at this point is the Bloodline. Uh, great call for me. Uh, number three is the Shield. The Shield is just, I mean, to be honest with you, one of the most important factions in wrestling history because of everything that we got from the shield. They also had a great one run when they were together, obviously, and had great moments, but just three mega stars that came from that, that group. Like you, that may never happen again, just the lightning in the bottle to where that's how they got their start. And then they, they just rose to fame. Uh, the shield's awesome. Shield is my number three. All right. Wow. All right. So my number two, you know, the penultimate choice. It's the bloodline. So the bloodline, I don't need to tell you, the bloodline changed <laughs> WWE as it is. It changed, it went from WWE's um, kind of biggest sore of Roman Reigns trying to be pushed down everyone's throat and everyone hating him to Roman Reigns being hated but loved also. Um, and for the good reasons. Like, it literally led to him being the biggest star there you got the Usos, who are already arguably the best tag team there, proving that they're the biggest uh, tag team. Um, and you also got Solo Sokoa, who has had one of the best first years in WWE of all time. Um, and they've all held championship gold. They've had a strangle hold on the championships in WWE, specifically Roman, who's held it for three years at this point. And you'll never get that again. You'll never get the story again. So Bloodline... Number two. Got to be number two. Uh, I'll just say my number two, I guess. Um, my number two is also the Bloodline. Oh, the Bloodline, uh, the bloodline is, uh, is, for everything Tazi said, uh, incredible. Uh, History-making. Maybe the best storyline in WWE history is coming from them right here, right now, and we are witnessing it in real time. Um, so the bloodline is number two. Forgive me. I totally zoned out and thought I had already said my number two. Um, but my number two is Evolution. And in a mm -hmm. way, okay. it's like before the blood, it was way before the bloodline, but man, this is also one of the most accomplished groups of all time. And it went on to lead on to two of the biggest stars in the company and their prime from Batista and Randy. You had the the game, Donovan is, is prime, basically. Rick Flair towards the end of his career, but still a vet. And evolution was just, yeah, it was what it was, man. Like, just one of the best factions of all time for me, especially in the heel factor. Just, just great, man. So, evolution number two for me. All right. So, the number one, I believe, the best faction in the world of all time has to be the Shield. Um, and it's funny because uh, Caleb, that was your number five. Kobe, that was your number three. And it's my number one. So it's all odd. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, literally, the Shield changed like the wrestling business, not WWE, uh, the wrestling business. You got three, I don't want to say Roman Reigns was a nobody, 
But uh, Seth Rollins was a big name in the indies, uh, and Dean Ambrose was known in the indies as well. Um, but because they did so well, and even coming in, they were seen as top guys. That led to more indie stars coming in, where you get um, you get like your NXT Black that like dom or sorry Black and Gold that dominated um, like the 2017 whatever, and you get a whole bunch of stars that you have now who got called up because of that. And speaking of call-ups, they kind of set the precedent of what an NXT call-up can be. Like, they came, they all became top guys. Like, literally, all of them are champions or have been champions. Um, Dean Ambrose is the guy there. Roman Reigns is the guy, WWE. And and Seth Rollins is one of the most popular guys ever. And it had the greatest heel turn of all time when Seth Rollins stabs his brothers in the back. But you don't get any of the bloodline. You don't get any of the authority. You don't get a lot. You don't get AEW's um, ability to get WWE stars or appeal to like get WWE stars the way they did um, without any of those guys. They changed the business. So because of that, and it's been we've had time to reflect on it. They're definitely number one. I like it. I like it. Um, my favorite of all time is D-Generation X. Uh, DX, they, anytime I heard, anytime I hear the music, I see them, I'm always popping, I'm always hype, I'm always going crazy. We were all kids. We all did the chance. We all said, I got two words for you. I mean, they, to me, I know they're a little bit before my time when they started, but just looking back at everything, they changed, they changed entertainment back in the 90s at least. And they've just always been able to last the tail of time. Like we said, people are still doing the chop. People are still throwing up the edge. You still see the DX shirt. They're just one of the most iconic groups of all time and definitely my favorite. I never get tired of seeing DX. Uh, it's a great call. Let me just say before I get to my number one, DX is not on my list, but um, they definitely deserve a spot on the list. It just came down to there's other factions that I just wanted to talk about more, and I knew that you would have uh, DX. So um, <laughs> they, they are legit um but my number one has also been talked about already is evolution evolution just so cool i mean it's just a favorite for me just like (laughs) like you said everybody that came out of that faction everybody that was a part of it like you just think about like wrestling and we look back at at, and have nostalgia for these guys and there was one point in time that all of them were together in a faction and they were running things together and and to me that's just it I, i think it's part nostalgia part just like uh, yeah, it's definitely favoritism, but I, I love Evolution. They're my number one. And I just have one honorable mention. Uh, the Miz Tourage, Um, That was the Miz, uh, Buddy Howdy, or his name. What is his real name? Uh, What's his name? Lucky? Buddy? I, I can't remember his name. But the guy who plays Buddy Howdy, and then you have Curtis Axel, Bo Dallas. Miz, Bo ah, Dallas, and Curtis yeah. Axel. Um, and Maurice, too. Like, that was peak of Miz, like, really running stuff as the Intercontinental Champion. And, yeah, I just really love – even though they're not as successful, that's why I didn't put them on this list, uh, they really ran stuff. And it was really cool to see Miz kind of get a top spot. So that's just my – that's my one honorable mention. I I have one honorable mention that this is just – honestly, I just remembered it whenever I was researching factions and stuff like that. Um, Do y'all remember, if you watched – TNA back in the day. Do y'all remember the Aces and Eights? Oh, yeah. 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 I remember the Aces and Eights. Bully Ray. And they had that whole story with AJ. was like they were trying to get him to join. And I don't know. I just remembered them. 
obviously they're not enough to make my list or anything, but uh, like shout out to Asia's Nates, I guess. Yeah, they were cool. I guess I got a few mini unabridged shout outs. Uh, the Wyatt family, like I said, that's my favorite version of, of Bray Wyatt, and I just thought they wasn't booked fully to be the best they could be. Um, the Nexus, similar, uh, yeah. similar uh, booking. They should have beat Cena, but we gotta get into that. John Cena was right. <laughs> he was wrong, and I mean, I, I you you said the Bullet Club, but I'm not gonna lie to you. I do like the Elite, but I guess it's in the Bullet Club. But if you wouldn't have said those the Elite are also a group that I, I like the Elite. No, I, I like I making separate faction too. Yeah, I think the Elite are separate. Oh, and Legacy, sorry, Legacy. The little yeah, brother. Oh, I, I used to. I used to. Think, like, Cody Rhodes is a star now, but back then, I, this is what I kind of hoped. I didn't know he was trying to say this big of a star, but like when that, I was hoping him and Ted DiBiase would become future stars. I don't know what Ted DiBiase is doing nowadays. He's in jail. But, He's doing time. <laughs> okay, God. <laughs> um, but I'm happy to see that Cody actually is um, a star now because I, I did like Legacy a little bit more. So. That's subjective. <laughs> What's not subjective is Ted DiBiase Jr. is it? <laughs> yes. Um, That's <laughs> uh, All right. Well, uh, that was pretty good. That was our top five factions of all time right there. Uh, with that said, we're going to get right now, right here, right now, into the main event, the thing that you have all been waiting for, the 1v1 debate in which Caleb C. Wilk puts his mid-card title on the line against T-Boat once again. If you're new to this podcast, the 1v1 goes like this. Those two will face off um, in a random debate topic that was chosen and picked by me. They don't even know what it is yet. They're each going to have their time to make their case, starting with 90 seconds to give their initial arguments. Then they're going to have three minutes to respond to each other. And then 60 seconds for closing statements. And I, as the special guest referee, will make the decision who won this debate, and who is our mid-card champion. Um, with that said, does everybody have their timers and all that stuff good to go? Oh, uh, let yeah. me get mine. Uh, also, are we still doing where I choose my, I choose which side and he chooses uh, with those first stickers like the challenge? Yeah, I guess, yeah, um, for the audience, yeah. That's a good point. Forgot about that. Uh, Caleb, as the champion, will decide which um, side of the argument he wants to take, and then Taji will decide whether or not he wants to go first or second. And um, we have 90 seconds, right? Correct. Yeah. Good. Okay. I'm good. All right. Um, so are you guys ready for your topic? Yeah, sure. I think so. Right. It's funny because this has come up a little bit today on this episode, but I wasn't going to change it. Um, uh, here it is. Think of two guys. Which one of these guys would have a better world heavyweight championship reign right now? I'm talking about the reign. I'm not talking about the chase or anything like that. The world heavyweight title reign. Whose will be more successful? L.A. Knight or Dominic Mysterio? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is... Uh... You said more successful. Yes. Who would have the more successful reign? I'm going okay. to take the L.A. Knight side. Caleb's going to okay. side with L.A. Knight. And uh, Taji, did you want to go first or second? Um, uh, sure. Let's go. Let's go first. All right. All right. Are you ready then? Uh, all right. Your ninety seconds starts whenever you're ready. All right. I'll go now. Dominic Mysterio. Dominic Mysterio right now is one of the most uh, 
hated um, individuals in WWE. And if you recall, or maybe you don't recall, but a lot of times when you want um, a longer reign, they'll put it on a heel because a lot of times there's a lot more uh, faces to face the heel. And there's a lot more ways that the heel can go about um, getting over the rules or getting over the baby face. I think that will bring um, a lot of intrigue to a lot of these uh, newer NXT call-ups. And you got a whole bunch of potential within the bloodline if you want to break. Or if you just want like another Finn and Damian Priest rivalry to come through. Um, you have that. You also have him um, with Rhea by his, by his side. Um, and they, as a power couple, as the WWE and the World Championship, assuming, uh, they would dominate. And WWE would make a big deal about that. I could see them both interfering on each other's behalf and running WWE. I think because they already have that backbone, even if it's just Rhea, but especially if it's just the Judgment Day, that will lead to a lot more um, successful defenses for him. And I believe that time will also allow him to build when he's facing more of these established and bigger guys or some of these newer guys, a chance for him to shine. So I think that will really lead to the evolution of Dominic Mysterio and it put a lot of face to a lot of names. That's my time. All right. Uh, well done in that 90 seconds. Caleb, are you ready? Yes, sir. Let's get it. <clears throat> All right. Start my timer now. Let me talk to you. Let me tell you who game it is. It's LA Knight's game. And the reason why LA Knight will be a more successful champion, because unlike Dominic Mysterio, he can give you a heel run as well as a face run because his mic ability is up there with some of the best. You know, when you think about the CM Punks, the MJFs, the Rock, when you think about these people, these people who are great on the mic, they've also had great face and heel runs because that's something you can get out of somebody who can cook on the mic. I get it. He's good in the ring. He has the look. He has the pop right now, but in a split second, you can cook any face you want in the business on the mic to give you any type of feud you need. You ain't got to just face, you know, it, it won't get stale just facing all the baby faces beating it. It won't get stale just winning all heel cheap ways. He can switch it around, do whatever he needs to do to be the best champion he could possibly be because this man has been working his tail off for 20 years to get here, to get to even a, a crisp of this point and a title reign for him not only show future outside of the, the industry, the, the, the big monster people, what you could be, but it could be a reign to remember. You got LA Knight every week, whether it's cutting a promo, whether it's winning a match, whether it's on commentary, you name it, he could do it. He could be the face of the company type champion, LA Knight. All right. Well done as well. Great job, both of you, with your opening statements. Taji, are you ready for your three-minute rebuttal? Uh. One second. Um, yeah, sure. <clears throat> Sorry. All right. Uh, I will start now. All right. So, yeah, we have Dominic Mysterio. Again, one of the most overacts. And he's not even a champion yet. Um, same as LA Knight. LA Knight's very over. But um, I do believe that, uh, just going off their history, Dominic Mysterio, um, and off the history of men champions, they tend to be one of the most successful. You have Triple H, you have Randy Orton. Uh, who else is a big heel? I could... Roman Reigns is one of the biggest heels in the company ever. And he's held the championship for a long while. Um, and even though he has had these um, interferences on his behalf, at the end of the day, he still wins. He's still successful. Um, on the point that you say that LA Knight can be a heel in the face, I don't doubt that's true. He's a very talented performer. 
But it's very rare that you find a champion who will also be heel and face during that same run. That's very rare. You don't get that. The only, the only time I can think of is CM Punk. And there's a reason behind that. Um, and uh, regardless if it's heel or face, I don't, I don't think that um, necessarily leads to a more successful one. If, I, if, if you're defining the success as wins and losses, um, I don't think uh, being heel or able to switch between that is going to change anything. And unless you're the face and you're turning the heel, um, but that's not what you're necessarily claiming. Um, and yeah, uh, LA Knight's a little bit older, so he does have experience. But Dominic Mysterio, he um, has been trained uh, by Rey Mysterio, and he's worked with some of the biggest names in wrestling right now. And he's not on LA Knight's promo level, but he's also has his, he's kind of carved his own niche of promos where even now he can't even get a word out because of how he is booked. And that's right now. That's not saying when he'll be champion because that'll be a whole different time. And that won't be now. So Dominic Mysterio, as he is, will continue to improve and he'll be better. Um, yeah, Dominic Mysterio is a decent promo. And I, I do think regardless of promo, regardless of popularity, I think Dominic Mysterio um, shows that he'll do whatever it takes to win. He'll get multiple people in there. And regardless if we're talking about popularity or whatever, whatever, Wins or losses, that's what, at least that's how I'm defining success. And I do think that uh, Dominic Mysterio is going to be the one. He's proven that when it matters the most, he can find that win. He was able to get a win, and he's not even on that brand. So I can only imagine how many times he can go about um, concluding and conclusively uh, beating that and just eventually, depending on his challengers, um, actually defeating them handily where he don't where he doesn't need them. And I do think that's something will happen where gradually he gets away from his own. But I think Dominic Mysterio um, definitely has a lot of attributes of a successful champion. That's my time. Okay. All right. A solid three minutes. Caleb, are you ready to fire back? Yes, I am ready. Go Here for it. Three, three minutes. I want to start by attacking one thing you talked about with Dom saying that he doesn't have uh, – the way you said it was it's something he can't do right now, but he may be able to do it later. But the real question is this is about who would have the better reign right now. Um, another big difference for Illinois and Dom is both are over in their respective ways. But see, Illinois is over as a face. Not only – he's so over, he's probably like number one. In, he's like top three in merch right now. The only two over him are two, the faces of the company. You know what I'm saying? You want a champion who's going to deliver that merch. You're going to see the shirts. You're going to see. They got, you got yes signs right now in the crowd. Who else can get a word over yeah besides Daniel Bryan getting yes over? I mean, this guy is over like Rover. He also didn't need a faction or a Hall of Fame father to get him this far. He's gotten over all by himself, and the company still is holding him back a little bit too long, in my opinion. This is a guy. And also, I need to clarify you kind of, you know, you, you hit my little face heel point to, to give some more clarity to that. He could be a face champ starting out. We could get that face run, that pop. We could get him going you know, the crowds all over for him. And then, you know, before he gets stale, he has a little moment and realizes as a, he could, as a heel, he's done this all himself. You know what I'm saying? These fans wasn't there with him back when he was shooting commercials at Audis. These fans wasn't there with him back when he was Eli Drake or any of these other people when he was getting cut when he was sleeping in his car. And he could realize he did this all by himself. And, and that heel turn right there could also be something to remember. The one thing that Dom has is he's a great heel, but he was a horrible face. 
And when you got somebody like L.A. Knight who could give you the best of both worlds with a, probably a, a eight months a year reign as a face and before it gets to give you another hero on the other side of it, proving why he's one of the best and probably a future Hall of Famer, that's a run that you would never forget and a run that can make you feel so many emotions. You get so many great feuds, matches, and promos and segments out of someone like L.A. Knight who's built himself from the ground up, from the basement floor to the skyscrapers. And that is my time. That is all I need to rebuttal about why L.A. Knight will be a better world champion right now, not in the future, not yesterday, but right now, than Dominic Mysterio. All right. All right. Well, um, both great arguments once again. You each now are going to have 60 seconds to make your closing statements, make your final case for your guy. Are you ready, Taji? Um, let me put my time down. Oh, shoot. Um, yeah, sure. Um, I'll go ahead and start now. Uh, yeah, final arguments. Uh, just to give you a couple points. You're talking about popularity and everything. Does it lead to success? Daniel Bryan was very popular. He won at WrestleMania, yes, but he also didn't have a great title reign after that. Um, really, any of his titles, besides maybe his World Heavyweight Championship title, when he was really popular, um, wasn't necessarily that successful. That may be the entry, maybe not. But still, uh, success doesn't necessarily equal to popularity. Or, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, LA Knight can't get the job done now. Dom can't. So I, I, I think that leads to success now. LA Knight hasn't had a meaningful win in a while, like uh, we discussed. Um, if you're talking about a very specific heel and face scenario, not necessarily the case, and that's also a rarity. So I don't think that should be the crux of your argument. Also, um, when I meant now, I meant um, then as opposed to when he has the championship, he'll get imp he'll improve. But yeah, that's it. All right, uh, Caleb. All right, let me uh, let me set this timer. Uh, I'm ready. I'll start. I'm gonna wrap things up by saying that LA Knight, right now, top three in the company who comes to merch sales. Probably your, your third biggest baby face of not second behind Cody. You know what I'm saying? The wrestling community wants him. Every arena you go to wants him. You got people in AEW chanting his name. But he's a whole different wrestling company. This is not just a kid who, you know, came up behind a Hall of Famer. This isn't just, you know, a guy who joined a faction and became the best he's ever been. This is a man who has worked his tail off. He's He's been from the the bottom of the gutter to the top of the room. He's He's been everywhere, you name it, he's done it all. Nobody will be better right now between those two as a champion besides the man himself, LA Knight, because it's LA Knight's game and we're just living in it. Yeah, and that's my time. Okay, all right, and that concludes the debate. I gotta say that I went back and forth on who was gonna win that like five times. like. It would be like uh, Taji would say something, and I thought, oh, he's got it. And then Caleb would say something. It's like Taji doesn't respond to this. Caleb's going to win. And then he responded to it. And then if Caleb didn't respond, it was like back and forth. Like you, somebody got a leg up. Somebody else got a leg up. Ultimately, uh, because it was so back and forth, it's just whoever got the leg up at the end, in my opinion, with their closing statements. And I got to say – that um, we have a new mid-carders champion. Let's go. For me, the only reason being was uh, 
your closing statement, Caleb, was like all about how he, you know, you talked about how LA Knight's like worked hard for it and this, and it's his time, which doesn't really, you know, refute why why the run itself would be good, you know. And I just wanted you to hit it home a little bit more after Taji kind of uh, uh, poked it a little bit in his closing statement. So it was back and forth. Like I said, it was it was a photo finish for sure. It was a great debate. But congratulations, Taji, for winning the Mid Carters Championship. Thank, thank you. you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, with that said, boys, that is this episode of the podcast. We thank everybody for listening. We thank everybody for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Yeah.